everybody. Dave and Jeff. It is June 14th, 2021. Tell you what, Dave, this one means a lot. Means a lot to you and me personally to have our guest here. And I'll tell you why. Uh, We've been very candid on this show that while we were lucky in our time at KFMB and three different times in our time at iHeart, we were able to do the pre and post game show for the San Diego Chargers. The ironic thing about that is Dave and I are not Charger fans. We're Raider fans. We've told you that. (laughs) However, the way we would do that job is we would have friendships with either Eric Weddle or Rodney Harrison, Philip Rivers. And when you have friendships with those guys or Mike Riley, you cheer for the individuals more so than the team. But the guy who is with us tonight, I would say, out of all of them, probably brought us the closest to being a Charger fan because of the work that he did as the voice of the Chargers. He's had an amazing career. He's an amazing guy. And we have not seen him in a long time. Josh Lewin, it's great to see you, brother. How are you? Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Second of all, where the hell is the ocean? <laughs> I, just, I was on Welcome the 805 for like an hour and a half. And uh, I didn't realize the 805 was that long. It'll go. It'll go. But wait, this is like, uh, we'll get into this. The travel that you used to have in your days as the voice of oh, the Chargers. Mm-hmm. But Josh, Gosh, what an amazing career. And I, I want to ask you this. Everybody now is familiar with Fox. Fox is the home of the Super Bowl. We see the World Series there. But a lot of people may forget that there was a time when Major League Baseball was on NBC. The World Series was on ABC or CBS, mm-hmm. right? Tim McCarver with Jack Buck, Al Michaels. And this week was the 25th anniversary of the first time Major League Baseball was on Fox And there was a very fun thing that came out that said the announcers on that opening weekend were Joe Buck and Tim McCarver. And then the second team was Ken Singleton and Josh Lewin. So I got super lucky to be part of Fox's baseball coverage for, I guess it would have been 15 of those 25 years. And they started out with Joe, who obviously, I mean, you can't do better than that. They nailed that. Uh, Tom Brenneman was also a part of the coverage, another very famous uh, guy that, that had a famous father and uh, made a lot of sense. And uh, Chip Carey was part of the coverage. Uh, Chip obviously has the lineage. And then I tell people they just kind of ran out of sperm. You know, they, they <laughs> ran out of famous people. So they, they, they still wanted uh, young guys that you know they still wanted to dip into that mid-20s kind of vibe which was remarkable because like you say back then you know you had to be jack buck or al michaels but fox came in turned the card table over said no we're going to bring in guys that are kind of on their way up uh they, they found the famous names and then they held out that last spot thank god they said let's find someone that literally no one's ever heard of and we'll just kind of do some modeling clay here you know we'll kind of shape them and mold them and i got to be the clay and and i got to work with ken singleton who was amazing a great partner great man our first game uh, i'll always remember was at the kingdom it was the red Sox and the mariners on june the 1st of 1996 and uh, it was the very first time that anybody had tried miking anybody in the middle of a game. We, we had that game. that They put a, uh, a microphone on one of the pitching coaches. They put a microphone on Lou Pinella. Uh, Mo Vaughn hit one on the upper deck off Bob Malacky. And I'll never forget it. They say you never forget your first. So super blessed that that really kickstarted my whole career. What was that like for you telling your family and your friends, this is what I'm doing? I mean, oh. you're extremely young. 
Well, yeah, you know what? what what's funny about that, Dave, is I, I was one of those guys who, I mean, I, this is what I wanted to do since I was five. You know, I mean, anybody who wanted to be a cowboy or an astronaut was a loser. You know, I mean, I didn't want to be those things. I didn't want to be a fireman, none of it. You know, I just, this is all I wanted to do. So I had, and I don't recommend this, I had this kind of Captain Ahab style mentality where I'm going to chase this thing down, period, you know, if it kills me. And I really do not recommend that tack. Uh, you know, looking back, I, I kind of forgot to have fun on the way up. I was just so single-minded in that pursuit that this is what I'm going to do. This is what I got to do for a living. I want it so bad. So, um, you know, yeah, really lucky to get it at a pretty young age, but it didn't feel like a young age because I was in AAA doing, you know, games in Rochester, my hometown, when I was a teenager. And it felt like I'd never get out of the freaking rock. Wow. You know, I'd never leave Rochester. You know, five years in the same town, I must suck. <laughs> and uh, the, the big break I got was going to Baltimore, which was um, the, the major league affiliate back then of the Rochester AAA team. They essentially called me up. Uh, John Miller was doing the Sunday night games and uh, they, they had an opening, not so much for those Sunday night games, but they had an opening to do the talk shows kind of before and after Orioles baseball. And the Orioles were a big deal back then. They were, yeah. they were really good. So uh, it was right before the strike, uh, 1994, that I got to do a, a fill-in. They kind of test drove me to see if I could do some play-by-play, -play, some talk, and I got the job, and then everybody went out on strike. So uh, at least I got there. I got to Baltimore. Once baseball started up again, was doing the pre and post, and that's how Fox and a guy named John Filippelli uh, heard of me because I was doing those pre and post game shows for the Orioles, who were actually you know a team that people wanted to listen to. John Filippelli was working in New York. He'd be driving home to Greenwich, Connecticut, uh, listening to this fifty thousand watt radio station, and he knew who I was because of that. So super lucky to to get what I got when I got it. You know what's funny, Dave? Is Josh? I've said this as a kid. I grew up in Minneapolis. And as a Twins fan, it was Herb Carneal, Frank Quillo, C. Hall, Z. Hall. And as much as I love sports and we ended up in sports radio, I always said to Dave, I've had such a love for baseball play-by-play. -play. My first job at KFMB, we were the Padre flagship, and I would put together the pre- and post-game show. It's right around 1995, yeah, this time frame. We're doing the same thing at the same and, time. And it's when we had a guy named Bob Greenberg in Chicago. He was a blind guy that would feed audio highlights. So WBAO... Every night, Fred Manfred, Chuck Thompson, John Miller, and I think Jim Hunter got there pretty quick. Jim so. Hunter came at right. So I was, you would have been missing my Sunday night. I mean, I was doing By six months. Basically, yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and I wasn't doing that much anyway. I, mean, I, was, I was really doing what you were doing at WBAL in Baltimore. But what was so fun about that, Josh, as a baseball fan, was sitting in this little room hearing the iconic voices. Ernie Harwell was there at that time, right? Marty and Joe Nux oh, in yeah. Cincinnati, Jack Buck and Mike Shannon. Well, and I was so lucky, Jeff, because this is before, I mean, this is what an old codger I am now. I mean, this, this is way before Sirius XM radio. Sure. Where, I mean, because now we take for granted, you can hear, hear any sport, Every any, everything, right? I mean, if we wanted right now to listen to, dare I say, the Montreal versus Vegas uh, hockey I game. I was driving down. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. The, um, you know, we, we can do that now, but we couldn't do that then. I could a little bit because where I grew up in Rochester, New York, it's Western New York. It's closer to Cleveland than it is to New York City. And um, all those 50,000 watt blowtorches, we could pull them in. 
uh, on, on the, so I listened to Ernie Harwell out of Detroit. I listened to Harry out of Chicago. Listened to Bob Murphy, yeah, at, you know, out of New York, and you know, um, Harry Callis out of Philly. I mean, all of them. I mean, wow. so I had this this just hodgepodge that I could kind of pick and choose from, and it really did stoke my fire to want to do that for a living. Joe Tate did the Cleveland Cavaliers yeah. basketball games, and I just thought he was magic. Uh, you know, so uh, listening to all those guys put me in that framework, and like I say, you know, I mean you. You don't know exactly how it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, but the big, big break for sure was going from being pregame, postgame guy at WBAL to doing that game you mentioned with Ken Singleton and starting that run at Fox. We're listening to you. I'm always amazed by your energy. I mean, whether, you know, obviously we hear you all the time, whether it was in the car, but I remember we would get in the elevator to go down to the locker room and the game was on an elevator. And I said, man, I don't know how he has such tremendous energy every play Every game, there's never like, you know, I've done this long enough. I'm, I'm going to turn this off. And then to, to listen to you go, it, it was, Jeff and I really did enjoy you. And, and Jeff and I have had this conversation a bunch of times. But for me, I, I always say there's certain guys you look up to and maybe you model, model yourself after. Was there that one guy that you said, I want to do it like this person or this is the person I look up to, but I'm going to create my own style? That's such a great question. And, you know, it's probably a bit of a jambalaya that I didn't really even realize was getting cooked up because you you do. You borrow from everybody that you come in contact with and that you hear. But I think some of the best advice that I ever got, and I'm happy to to push it out to anybody now, I think it, it is appropriate for any line of work, is to simply be yourself. You know, because that's the one thing that you can bring in to the booth that no one else can. And, you know, Harry Callis borrowed from Shakespeare, of all people. He would say, to thine own self be true and say it in a much deeper resonant voice <laughs> than I can do it in. But he's so right. You know, I mean, so and that's been a little bit of a North Star for me. Uh, it's led to some weird pieces on my resume because, you know, it looks like I can't keep a job. And maybe I can't, but, uh, you know, I think there, there are certainly sometimes you get into a situation where it's like, and you know, I had a marriage like this too. I'm on a second marriage where sometimes what was working just didn't working anymore. And, and you can either, you know, bend yourself into this gymnastic nonsense where you're trying to please everybody else and you lose yourself, or you can kind of stay the course and say, well, you know, for better or worse, this is who I am. And, you know, Jeff, when, when you started off by referencing June 14th, I almost jumped in with the Seinfeld reference <laughs> because that was the day, June 14th, 1987, where Roger McDowell hocked the magic loogie. Yes. Oh, yes. And, right? right. So, you know, that's my ADD brain. And yeah. that, it, you know, and I do love Seinfeld. I really do. Uh, you know, so that's me. And there are some people, and, and this was the case with my boss in, in Dallas when Nolan Ryan took over the Texas Rangers, uh, you know, he really just wanted balls and strikes. He did not want any Seinfeld references. He did not want uh, a lot of that kind of thing. And it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, I, I drive to work every day on Nolan Ryan Expressway. It's not yeah. Josh Lewin Expressway, yeah. you know? So yeah. there, there's one winner here and it's Nolan. If this is the way he wants it done, I bless it. It's like, okay, that's great. It's just, I don't think I'm your guy no. anymore. So I'm going to go look for something that fits. And magically, a year later, the Mets opening comes up. Those are my people. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. Yeah. I grew up a Mets fan in Western New York. Um, not only can I make a Seinfeld reference, the actual Seinfeld shows up in the booth. You know, yeah. so that was phenomenal. And it worked, again, until it didn't work anymore. That was more of a, a, a geography thing. 
that led to some some weirdness that we can you know maybe get well, into maybe not to, to come out here but you know, for, from a baseball perspective the the Mets on the radio that's as good as it ever got for me because I love radio it's not like I hate TV but I really like radio a lot more um, the the New York market. I think is something that I, I connected with. I, I the Mets. I mean, like I say, my childhood team, Howie Rose, I mean, one of the greatest partners I've ever had. All of it, I loved it until the geography got tricky and it didn't work anymore. We we're definitely going to get to that, but there but there's a few signposts on the road that I Seinfeld? find <laughs> right <laughs> that I find fascinating in your career before we get to New York and Phil Mushnick and <laughs> all those guys there. But if I'm right, did you go from Baltimore and you're doing Fox? Did you immediately go from there to the Cubs? I did. So this is kind of funny and, and a story that I haven't thought about in a long time. But uh, once the Fox thing happened, it's like every door that I couldn't get into just blew wide open. Right? Sure. People now are saying, oh, this guy works for Fox. He must be good. And I, I really wasn't. I, mean, I, I was not a TV guy. Um, I don't really mesh with the whole TV thing that well there's a lot of anxiety that, that just kind of creeps in because you got a producer a director you've got you know, there's just a it's a whole hamilton cast of characters here that, that you gotta you know, and it, with radio you're kind of in charge of your own shit and it's just easier so uh tv was never a perfect fit for me anyway but all of a sudden there are tv jobs that are open and people that think i can do them so it's one of those you, you fly a little too close to the sun kind of things i don't think i was ready for any of that i'm 26 years old not a tv guy but here come the cubs they're, they're calling um john miller leaves baltimore to go to san francisco and now the, the radio station says you know you can have john's job which i thought was too too much pressure because john is just so freaking good that's the one I eliminated right away. Mm -hmm. The third job that was out there and offered was the Padres. Oh. Uh, in 1997, when they were just starting up Channel 4, Channel 4. Padres. And Mel Proctor ended up doing it yeah. instead and did a great job with it. Um, I, I love that ownership group. I love Larry Lucchino. I love Charles Steinberg. I love their <laughs> whole vibe. I just, I, and I obviously love San Diego. I interviewed with Larry and Charles, of all things, uh, during a Chargers Monday night game. Yeah, they they had a a booth or you know whatever the yeah. uh, skybox yeah. passed for a skybox at you know at that place, <laughs> um, and we sat around and ate shrimp during the Chargers Lions game. And I'll, I'll always remember too parking way up on top of the hill because they yeah. didn't know any better. And I walked all the way down <laughs> and all the way up, going, man, how do people do this? You know. <laughs> so uh, interview went great. And uh, I had had the interview with the Cubs and WGN right before that. It was one degree in Chicago oh. on December, whatever that was. And then I come here to San Diego, it's like 70. And, you know, there were so many reasons to do the Padres thing. But everybody in the industry, I mean, everybody that I confided in said, dude, it's WGN. Yeah. It's a chance to be Harry's heir apparent. I mean, this is when it was a super station. You know, yeah. it's like WTBS and WGN are the two super stations. And, Everybody's saying, you know, it's Chicago. It's a way bigger market. You know, San Diego should be your last job. Shouldn't be this job when you're 20 something, you know? So yeah. go take a big bite out of Chicago, carry Harry's briefcase around for a while, and then you'll have the gig. You'll be on WGN. That's the one for you. So I get there, they go 0 and 14, <laughs> and it's all my fault. Um, you know, Harry doesn't want me there and, and I don't blame him because he was keeping the seat warm for Chip and it's, it's on me. I didn't ask the, the question 
correctly. You know, I mean, why isn't Chip here? Mm. That was the question to have asked. And as it turned out, they did offer Chip the job. He turned it down because it wasn't enough money and he was happy doing the Orlando Magic games down there. And, um, you know, one year of me... And it was enough for everybody to go, okay, well, we'll pay Chip whatever he wants. <laughs> you know, so, and that had a happy ending because Harry uh, knew Chip was coming in. I jumped off, was able to go to Detroit because the Tigers and Fox Sports Detroit were just starting up. Uh, they offered me a deal to go out there, got out of my Chicago contract, went to Detroit. Harry found this out, uh, found out that Chip was coming in, and I shit you not, died eight days later. Uh, so Harry died on the dance floor, yeah. at his, right, in Palm Springs at his country club, knowing that Chip was his heir apparent. So that one had a happy ending for everybody. It really did. You Just, know? Uh, Dave, one thing there, in, in fairness to you, Josh, uh, where you said that they realized a year in, right, oh, we got to go pay Chip. That's not fair to you. That's not. That's well, I had a three-year contract. It kind of sucked. But, I mean, but that's look. an incredibly it, difficult yeah, but, situation. But, but I get it, though. I mean, look, I, I, I've got a family, too, now. You know sure. what I mean? And, and if someday my grandson wanted to get into the family business, I'd look out for him. No, I You know, I, I get it. And and uh, I felt like it. that wasn't a reflection on your work. That was well, a reflection. Well, I, I, I wasn't great. I mean, I was, you know, 26, 27 years old, feeling my way on TV. I was very green. And uh, I was not a not a ripe banana quite yet. And, but and did you know that at the time, or were you bitter? No, I I, I don't think bitter is the right word. I I, I was disappointed for yeah. sure. And I'm like, wow, is this really how the business works? Like, you sign a three year contract and they just yeah. you know move a guy in anyway. I mean, they were going to pay me for two years to sit on my ass. And you know, in my twenties, that's not what I wanted to do. No. So that's why when Detroit call, I said, sure, I'll go to Detroit. And that was fine for a while. Loved my time with the Tigers. Um, my wife at the time didn't like Detroit. She's a native Texan. When the yeah. Rangers called, she wanted me to take the call. So I took the call. And, you know, so things domino in this business. Strange things happen. I mean, I could have stayed in Dallas, I think, for a very long time and very happy. Uh, I was enjoying that a lot uh, until, like I say, a, a new boss came in and Nolan, you know, didn't like funny stories and didn't like the way I did the games. And was like, all right, let's just shake hands. I'll go do something else. Nolan seems like that guy. I mean, I've never met Nolan, but I was just watching like the hardest throwers ever on TV yesterday. I think it was on after the Padre game, and just yeah. Nolan's well, no, demeanor. Nolan's, Nolan's a badass. Is, yeah, and I, I'm, is, you know, I'm, I'm going home like and no bullshit guy. I'm going yeah. home and watching Tootsie, you know, and whatever on <laughs> on TBS. You know, Nolan's not doing that, and he's I not. I respect it. You know, he's, he's little whatever the you know Josie Wales outlaw <laughs> shit. You know, that's <laughs> fine, yeah, yeah. right? So not not a great fit, and I get it. Um, so I, I say that about everything in every walk of life, guys. It, it really is about fit. You. you go where you belong, you go where you feel like you can make a difference. And sometimes that changes, right? I mean, I felt like Detroit was good for me, yeah. wasn't good for my wife. So it's like, okay, well, let's go somewhere where you'll be happy. And uh, for eight years, nine years, it worked out well for everybody. Uh, you get a new boss who doesn't like the the cut of your jib or whatever. All right, well, let me go. Oh, you know, the Mets, they, they, they like the cut of my jib. I'll go do that. Uh, so I uh, Bitter is the wrong word, I think, Dave. I mean, yeah. disappointing, sure, because, you know, you buy a house, you're, you know, telling people that you're going to be the voice of the Cubs and all of a sudden you're not. That's yeah. kind of embarrassing. But, um, you know, it, it worked out fine for everybody. Well, the funny thing about that Rangers job is, too, is when we had Dave would buy the extra innings package, I would buy it. And I always like checking in on broadcast teams around the country, right? Finding different things. And, we're incredibly lucky right now in San Diego with the chemistry between Mud and Don Orsillo. Right. If you watch Giants baseball, 
uh, Kuiper and Kruko are just really fun, whether you're a Giants fan or not. And Dave and I were lucky enough to have Tom Grieve on our talk show a lot and just an incredibly nice guy for a guy that had accomplished so much in this game. And Josh, it was such a fun watch for us because growing up as a Twins fan, I love National League Baseball, but there were hmm. still nights when you wanted to watch American League Baseball. And the chemistry that you guys had in that booth, even though Dave and I were lucky enough to go to a game, I had no ties to the Rangers, but you guys brought me in, you kept me entertained, you told me the stories, you called the play as it happened, but in those games that got away, I wasn't looking for the Orioles. I didn't go look for Toronto. I stayed because Josh and Tom made the well, game a fun that's listen. really nice of you, Jeff. Thank you. I, and t- I mean, I owe that to, to Tom, Tag, uh, you know, Thomas Allen Greaves, so yeah. Tag. And uh, just, yeah, gentleman's gentleman, like everybody's favorite uncle kind of guy. But how comfortable are you in that booth? Because it circles back to Chicago. If I can't be comfortable and relaxed in the booth like we are here, then it's going to impact. You just, to me, that to me, Josh, as a fan of yours and as your friend, that seemed like from a TV perspective, when you were just, you could just go with the flow and have fun and be at your best. Well, uh, until I started second guessing, you know, it, uh, who's digging it and who's not. And, yeah. and, that, and that, again, is when I really But for kinda, the first eight, we're good? Yeah, they, they were. And again, TV, a little more difficult for me than radio for many reasons. And, uh, you know, I, I don't shy away from it. I mean, I'm, I'm a guy that has fought anxiety issues th- throughout his life. It runs deep in my family. And, you know, TV is just like a petri dish for for anxiety because so many things can go wrong that are not in your control right you know i mean technical stuff and yeah you know you're about to tell a story and the producer says you know send it down to the sideline guy and so you know it just it kind of messes with your head but okay you know but but you're getting paid well and you you get a great seat and and it's fun you know so it's like okay I, i can do this i'll figure it out and yeah when i think where i started to go off the rails a little bit in 09 and in 2010, you know, my, not to get TMI on you, but my, my marriage of about 20 years was starting to, to wrinkle, you know, it just, it wasn't the same anymore. The job wasn't the same anymore. You know, all the things that you think are working and you can kind of put in that, don't worry about it basin. All of a sudden you're worried about it. So, uh, the, the flashpoints of anxiety just started getting really, really done up in neon. So 09 and 10, those were those were difficult years, you know. I mean, uh, you know, stuff's going on at home, stuff's going on at work. We all deal with that. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys. I mean, you, you, things happen in your life where uh, you, you don't expect them, and they're hard to deal with. And you know, I, I'm actually very blessed. If that's the toughest stuff I've ever had to deal with, that's really not bad. Yeah. So uh, you know, but but it messed with me. It definitely sure. did. And, and you start looking around for a better fit. And uh, as I said, found it in New York, and, and very happy about that. How much does wins and losses affect you as a broadcaster or as a person? Like, it always seems like it's easy to do a team when they're winning a bunch of games and you can feel electricity in the city. And then you have a situation where a team struggles and you're looking at the calendar going, when's the season going to be over? Yeah, the, you know, it's funny. The narrative that got written about my time in Texas, I think, was, you know, Lewin was okay when the team sucked because he could, you know, tell stories and tap dance and whatever. But yeah, you know, I get it. When the team got good, Nolan wanted a guy who could, you know, just do balls and strikes. Um, I think the games are easier to do when they matter. And in baseball terms, when it's 3-3 in the eighth, it's kind of tough to screw that one up. You know, I mean, you get yourself in trouble when it's 9-1 in the fifth and you're trying to to keep people engaged. So uh, 
My very first year in AAA doing the game of Solo, 1990. Oh, it's a long freaking time ago. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the Rochester Red Wings won the Governor's Cup. They went to Columbus. Uh, Bob Guerin made the final out, flied out to center field, and I got a ring. It wasn't a big ring, but, you know, yeah. I got, got a nice little Jostens ring out of it. That was 31 effing years ago. It's the only ring I've ever wanted anything, wow. you know. So, well, I, I take that back. I'm going to get one for the final four for UCLA, I just found out. Beautiful. Which is amazing. Sweet. I couldn't believe it. Mick Cronin wants me to get a ring. Awesome. I can't believe that. Beautiful. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's definitely easier when there's a good time vibe, when the games matter and all of that. But I think from a... Um, from a creative standpoint, just to, to get your brain engaged, I almost think it's more fun when the team sucks because there's more that you have to do. And when the Chargers started eating it down towards the end of their stay here, you know, those were those were definitely more challenging games to do, you know, when, when they're shanking field goals in Cleveland and, uh, you know, all the other poo-poo that was happening down towards the end of their stay here. When the lights out dances were going on and LT was in the end zone 31 times, it was easy. And I had a good partner with Hank. The, uh, I, we're going to get to the Chargers, but I want to ask you about the Mets because one thing Dave and I have been able to do on the podcast that we could never do on terrestrial radio is talk about the impact of depression I had a situation. I mean, Josh, I, I'll be candid with you. We were putting together a charity event. I had just gone through a divorce. I was away from my kids who were, I think at that time, they were about 11 uh, twin boys. So it was impacting me. We're throwing everything into a charity event. And so it got to me to the point that I was literally ready to drive my, I told this story on the air. I was ready to drive my car and just park it and take some money and go to Mexico and just say, see you later. Hmm. And the great thing about this podcast that was so great is I told this story um, about the night leaving my sons for the first time as a parent moving out of the house and how it broke me, how I felt like I had failed my son. And I said to Dave, I came on here. I said, I'm a broken man. I have nowhere to go. I don't know like what to do. Next day, I had 62 direct messages wow. on my Twitter from people I had never met, people that ironically i found annoying who said <laughs> who said don't quit i don't have a relationship with my dad and it put us back together so we're going to get to what you've done for people that have fight fought this struggle at different there's a levels. lot of us out there dude there yeah, absolutely I mean, it, are and we got to kind of stay together but what's crazy about that is we know that anxiety feeling dave and i have been able to do national shows and some other big stage things that are so exciting but i know the game that can play in your mind. You're now going to a much bigger stage as the radio voice of the Mets. What's ironic is Dave and I are friends with Wayne Hagen, who I believe you went in and replaced. I replaced, yep. And Wayne, San Diego State guy, had done Rockies and right. Cardinals. And that was a very difficult gig for him because of the aura of Mets baseball. It's fit. I mean, but so much of it is you. fit. You well, were, the, the, that's nice of you to say. I, I mean, I, not everybody did, that's for sure. But, um, you know, fit is just so big yeah. with, with jobs, with romantic partners, with neighbors, with name it. It's just, you know, it, it shouldn't be about what's right or wrong necessarily, if that makes sense. It, it should just be, you know, how are you vibing with, with the people around you? And, you know, and I feel for Wayne, you know what I mean? Because I think Wayne's excellent. Yeah. And... You know, he's got a Midwest sound mm. or a West Coast sound. And, 
you know, for whatever reason in New York, people were just like, well, pfft, you know, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, this guy doesn't sound like he's from here, you know, how he, you know, says a word in Yiddish and he doesn't know what it means. It's like, <laughs> well, the hell with it, you know, and, and that's not fair because like yeah. Wayne really knows his baseball and is really good. And the fit was better. You know, it's it, it's the whole, you know, Brady Bunch episode where, you know, Greg is, is Johnny Bravo because yeah. he fits the suit. You know, Greg wasn't that talented, but, you know, he fit the suit. You know, yeah. so they, they gave him a gig, you know, fronting a band. And, uh, you know, I don't think I was the best guy for the, the Mets job, but, uh, you know, they, they wanted somebody who could kind of play in the sandbox with, with Howie and, and right. talk New York a little bit. Uh, and, okay, so I, I fit the suit. And it wasn't always easy there either. You know, I mean, there, there's always that, that seed of doubt, I guess, that kind of blooms sometimes. Am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Am I making my bosses happy? Um, you know, all of that, you, you can really, you, you check under the rock and, you know, sometimes you, you just keep staring, looking for whatever you you, you fear might be under there. So um, fit is just, uh, it's such a big word for so many of us. And, um, you know, I, my hope was that the Chargers would have stayed put i think a lot of us figured on that for very many reasons but i liked that fit very much i love this city that's why uh, wife 2.0 and i have moved out here uh we we love it this is where i feel like i belong this is where i found my happy this is where i want to be and uh, when the chargers left which and you know this is funny now they, they moved literally 12 days after we closed on the condo it's hilarious, guys. Um, <laughs> I remember when you got yeah. the condo, when you told yeah. us. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm so happy. Wait, you're what? You're going to L.A.? And you're not taking anybody with you? No, great. Um, yeah. You know, y- you want to make God laugh, you tell him your plans, right? I mean, that, right. that's the old thing. And so much of that is true. You know, and, and I can, you know, we've talked about my experience. Chicago, you know, I, yeah. I thought I'd be there for forever. Nope. <laughs> go to Dallas. Okay, I can be here for forever. Nope. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go to New York. Well, you're going to meet somebody that you fall in love with that wants to get back to the west coast just like you do nope you know new york's not going to be a thing you're going to you're going to be in san diego just live happily ever after doing the chargers nope they're going to la and not taking you with them so uh you know things can change but i I think if you're true to yourself and and just keep searching for that fit you're going to be okay all right let's go into the chargers a little bit because the the talk i know the question people want to know is when did you know they were leaving. You as a broadcaster, do you have inside information? No. Like, like, I, we didn't either. I mean, uh, we kind of you know, guessed we, a little bit. We talked to Dean, and I think Jeff actually pushed him out because he told Dean <laughs> if I was going to threaten to leave. But, you know, Hardwick told us some stuff that we're like, hey, you know, maybe there's a sign that we thought they were leaving the year before, but you worked with Nick. And I thought, well, maybe Josh might know something. I was so oblivious to all of it. And again, kind of very similar to what I told you about. I just didn't ask the right questions in Chicago all those years ago. You know, why why would you hire me and not Chip? Well, it turns out we do want Chip. You know, so maybe I'd I'd be a short timer if I went Mm -hmm. and I should rent, not buy. You know, that would have been a, a good line of questioning. And looking back on it with the Chargers, you know, Proposition C and all this yada, yada. I'm thinking to myself a few years later, wait a minute. I'm the voice of the team. Did they ever ask me to go out and do anything in this town to try to convince people that they should no. stay? And now I look back on that, I'm like, man, did I miss a signal? <laughs> you know, um, they were not serious about staying. We we know that now, and and you know we can get into exactly the registry of how deep of a shame that is if you want to. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, I think it's a twelve, but. Um, you know, they, they did what they wanted to do. Uh, I think a lot of people got hurt in the process. I don't like it, but I'm over it. Uh, I miss the NFL a lot. 
I really do. I think it's a, I mean, it's just such a great galvanizing product. You know, I just, it's one of the reasons I wanted to move to San Diego. I just was so in love with how every weekend everybody's wearing the colors and everybody's to get, you know, whether you have anything in common with your neighbor or not, you know, you're, you're all coming together, watching the game, you're flying the flag, all of it. You know, Hacksaw had it right. You know, yeah. the whole, you know, show me your lightning bolt. Um, I, I loved it. And, and I, I fell for it, you know, I mean, to the point where I, I, I wanted to be in San Diego. I still do. I mean, I still love San yep. Diego and I'm so glad I'm here, but um, yeah, very disappointing that they ended up where they ended up. It, it's such an amazing thing, Josh, because I would never pigeonhole you as quote, a baseball guy, because I remember when you were doing NHL on Fox. So I knew you had, you were multi-talented, but I'd worked for Hank. And so we were saying Ted had been the voice and then the games, I believe, came back to iHeart. They weren't going to let Ted do it. Dan Rowe comes in from Minnesota, who had worked with Stu Voigt. There's not yeah, really a yeah. chemistry with Hank. Dan's out after a couple of years. And now we're looking for a new announcer after Saw and Ted, two ironic, uh, iconic guys, had had it. And I'm sitting with Ted, or uh, excuse me, I'm sitting with Hank at Petco Park. And I go, dude, who's going to be the voice? And it had come down to Pete Arbogast. From USC, I'm a USC fan, so I knew. Pete. Sorry to hear that. Uh, well, sorry, yeah. UCLA shirt, you asshole. No, but I was just saying, at that, as a USC fan, you know who Pete is. Dave Sims, who I think is still doing Mariners baseball, and, and, and really good. Yep. And and Josh Lewin, and I and Hank Bauer said to me, I'll never forget this. He says to me one night at Petco Park, he goes, "Dude, Josh Lewin is going to be the guy." And I did what I always try to avoid. I go, "He's a baseball guy," and Hank stopped. And pointed at me, he goes, dude, I'm telling you, I know you, you're going to love him. And I say this with all respect to Ted and Saul, you're my favorite guy that ever well, did that I, job. A couple things. I mean, first of all, I looked into, they were really good when I was here. And, and you guys said it before, it's just easier to be that guy. But you're you know, a but, different voice as the NFL, and it's so goddamn good, Josh. <laughs> what is it about the NFL that takes, takes you to where you were... Dude, I'm telling you, whether you want to believe it or not, we would listen to those highlights every weekend, and Dave and I would just say, we've got the guys. We've got them well, right here hey, in San I, Diego. I owe a lot to Hank. I mean, and you know, it's kind of a bummer that you know we really don't speak anymore, and, and I'd like to, to fix that because I, yeah. I've got a lot of respect for Hank. And um, he, he took great care of me. He really did. I mean, he, he showed me the NFL ropes, introduced me around, made me feel very comfortable in this town, and, and I owe him a, a debt of gratitude. I really do. And uh, the, the games were always so exciting. They really were. Yeah. And I, I, like I say, I just loved the atmosphere. I, I just loved being around it. And, and even sitting in those infernal traffic jams trying to get out of that damn place <laughs> right. after the game. To catch a flight? To, to maybe try to catch a flight, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I just loved being around the Charger fans. I, yeah. I, you know, it, it just, it permeated you. And uh, I, I miss it. I miss the NFL a lot. Those calls give you the chills when LT goes in, right? Darren Sproles, all these different calls, Josh, that we hear back as Charger fans, they give us chills, man. Well, I, I was really blessed. I mean, Jim Steig went to bat for yeah. me to, to get me on board. And, uh, you know, I, I like I say, I had a great partner with Hank and then later Curtis Conway and, and Nick Hardwick oh, and, right. uh, you know, a lot of great people and, and good friendships. And so, yeah, you know, 
I was so careful to get away from the bitter word earlier, yeah. Dave. But you know, when you asked me if that was bitter about Chicago, not about Chicago, but I, you know, it's tough not to be bitter, like a lot of Charger fans still are here, just about how it all came down. And you know, personally, obviously, look, you know, I left a really enjoyable job in New York, thinking, okay, I'm going to be Charger slash UCLA yeah, guy now, perfect. and that's going to be my thing, happily ever after. You know, yeah. I got the. The West Coast condo got the, the you know, the wife that I, I love, you know, she's from out here. This is going to be perfect. Yeah. That's going to be, you know, Chargers slash UCLA and then Chargers go away. All right, all right shit. I'll keep the Mets. It'll be Mets slash UCLA. Mm. And then, uh, you know, it looked like I was going to be able to come out here and do some Padres stuff. I'm thinking, great, you know, Padres slash UCLA. And then, uh, shit, you know, that didn't yeah. work out. So, uh, again, you, you make plans. Uh, you, you end up kind of feeling sometimes you remember the, uh, the Charlie Brown specials yes. where yeah. Linus is sitting there waiting for the freaking great pumpkin to show yeah. up. And sometimes it's that where it's like, okay, you know, I, I want to keep the faith. Like this is all going to work out. But at some point somebody shows up, I can't remember who it is in, in peanuts that actually finally taps Linus on the shoulder and says, dude, it's time to go home. Yeah. You know, this is just yeah. not happening. So, you know, I, when the chargers left, there was part of me that's like, Oh, we'll work this out. You know I mean? Even if they don't come back here, you know, right away, they'll come back in a couple of years and I'm sure they'll take me with them up there to yeah. LA. And I, well, sorry, Linus, great pumpkins, not showing. All right. Without you trashing anybody, I'll, I'll give my opinion. Cause I still have to cover these charger games. I still do them for ESPN. So I have to do the drive, sure. you know, every Sunday. And by the way, money's great. I mean, the, the okay, broadcast they put stop. together no, is, is fun. No, he's, he's very good. No, dude, he's very look, good. I, no. I've listened to everything you said and it took You've my head. You've been fine all until the way right through. then. Dude, he's the worst I've ever seen. Oh, stop. Okay, my look, money's you don't fine. need to jump in and say a word. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I'm telling this, you, as a sports fan, I've never done your job, but <laughs> I've listened to a ton of this. Jeff and I comment on who's good, who's bad. Look, I, I understand everybody needs to make a living. Dude, he's the worst. Uh, no, I think, it, I maybe think money's Josh, very bad good. because you spoiled him. You don't even need to comment on it. I'm just telling you, as a football fan, I got spoiled by you. Your energy was insane. And his energy's not. And it bothers me. The only 16 games. You brought it for the Chargers. Yeah, but okay, but let me, week. I can't believe this is turning into a, a let's defend my replacement podcast. Well, but we said earlier, though, you know, you, you got to be true to who you are. And I, you know, I don't think money is a screamer. He's, you know, he, he's a guy who's got a great voice Josh and he's prepared. got a nice low key delivery. That's who he is. And, and if they want to hire somebody else, they can do that. But I mean, I, anyway, I, so, I think okay, money's very so good. Me, my question wasn't to trash money because I've done it on the show a million times without you here. Is, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. it, my, my question is, when did the Chargers say we aren't taking you and why? Why wouldn't they take you? So of all places I was in Dallas, the, uh, the Mets were playing the Texas Rangers, which happens once every Haley's Comet. You know, they just happen to be in Dallas. So I'm so excited. I'm seeing old friends. You know, I, I'd never get back to Dallas anymore. Um, and uh, I, I get a call at literally 540-ish in the morning, maybe 550. And um, it's A.G. Spanos. And I'm thinking, okay, well, he doesn't know, you know, that I'm out here. And, I'm, and then I started doing the math. I'm like, well, wait a minute. None of this makes sense. 550 in the morning. And, uh, you know, that's like 3.50, you know, West yeah. Coast time. Like, what is, what is going on? So, um, or you know what? In fairness, maybe it was like more like 7.50 my time, 5.50 his time. I just remember it was okay. super early. But, um, you know, basically he's saying, uh, you know, if you can't be here full time, you know, we, we really need an L.A. presence here. And, you know, it's come to our attention that you're, you know, you're not going to be able to get out of your Mets contract right away. So, you know, um, we're, we're going to be doing something else. And I said, so wait a minute, you, you're saying you need an L.A. component. 
Is that what I'm hearing? He said, yeah, we really, we really need the LA thing. And I said, well, AG, all due respect. I, I said, I'm doing UCLA games now. I said, you know what the LA stands for, right? <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, but you know, we, we need somebody full-time in LA. We just, you know, somebody who's truly LA. I'm like, all right, well, that, that's not me. I mean, because I'm, you know, doing Mets games and, you know, I'm doing UCLA, ironically, but I, I can't be full-time with the Chargers. That's certainly true. Um, and I said, just, you know, for shits and giggles, like, you know, if I were to go full-time, would you make me whole? Like, you know, you'd pay me what the Mets are paying me? And yeah. all these, like, well, no. I'm like, okay, well, then, you know, goodbye and good luck. And, you know, I, I wish you guys well. So hung up the phone and I'm like, the fuck just happened? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not doing the Chargers. I, I was really very surprised. I really was. Um, and again, you know, you get some wisdom, you get a little bit of hindsight and it's like, okay, you know, they made a conscious decision. And, and by the way, I like AG. I really do. Uh, I think he's actually a really, really good dude. I don't think he was the guy that made that call. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's not the guy that made that call, but they had a strategy. They wanted to brand it as LA and I'm not LA. I had just moved to Solana Beach and, and I like it there. Um, and fortunately, with my job with UCLA, they don't care that I live in Solana Beach. They just want to hear good things about the Bruins. So I was hoping that the Chargers would have adopted that same mentality that, well, you know, this guy can educate a whole new fan base on, you know, who these players are and, you know, he can bring the passion and the energy or, you know, whatever it is. But it's totally their prerogative. If, if they don't want that or don't value that, then, um, you know, that's what they get to do. I'll, I'll put it this way, and, and I'll be delicate how I've done it. But I, I was saying, and I started this going back to where I started in 95 in KFMB. Well, I never had a desire to be a play-by-play guy. I've always had a great appreciation for play-by-play guys to the point that we've had a ton of them on the show. We've gotten to know them, and we've heard. We're all really weird, Jeff. But they're, but they're <laughs> There's something all, wrong with us. But they're all great. But the thing that, why that was such a huge mistake for them is because if the Chargers were just going in on their own, then you can make any change you want and you can go. But when you're coming in at the same time the Rams are coming in, and it's SoFi Stadium, and it's the, you have to do something that, in my opinion, which is right, you have to do something to differentiate from the big brother. And the way you differentiate from the big brother is by having the better broadcast. And again, in my opinion, which is right, you don't have to say anything. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. The better broadcast is by having, with all respect to Matt Money Smith, who could be a great guy. I don't know he him. He's a great guy. Yeah. He could be a really, really solid guy. But Josh, that of all the things we've talked about, Chicago, Detroit, this is why I wanted to take you before we got to the Chargers. <laughs> Of all the things that have happened, the one to me that I look at that goes, I can't figure the, that one out is this one. You know, it's it's one of those, uh, what do they say? It's the golden rule that the ones with the gold get to make the rules. Sure, I got it. And I, I get that. I mean, that's this business. You know, it, I saw the same thing in Texas with, with Nolan. Again, you know, Nolan Ryan struck out all those guys. I struck out zero guys. That guy's a hero. That guy has a billion dollars. That guy knows baseball a lot more than I do. He gets to do whatever he wants. It's fine. I I totally understand. Chargers was kind of the same thing. It was just, you know, personally more of a disappointment because, like I said, I had just bought the condo, had just moved out here. Thank God I didn't tell the Mets that I was leaving. Sure. Because, again, you know, the plan was Chargers slash UCLA. So at least I hadn't opened my big yapper and said anything to the Mets. I, you know, got to go back for another um, couple of years yeah. until I thought I had the portal that, you know, again, didn't quite work out. I thought it was going to be Padres slash UCLA. 
that one I did make the mistake. I, I said to the Mets, I, you know, I've got a trail out here. I'm going to follow it. You know, thanks for everything. It's been a fun seven years. I, you know, I got a chance to be in San Diego full time, and it turns out that was a so bit of a mistake. So what happened there? What can you tell us? Because we talked last year that we were excited. You were, we were going to do this, gosh, a year ago or two years ago. We were going to have you come in, and we were incredibly excited as your friends to think things are going to fall the right way, that you were, I believe, in some way, shape, or form, going to be part of the Padre broadcast on not, not as play-by-play, and and that so that's part of what got confused. And this is one of those stories that you know several years from now, I'm sure it'll be funny. Uh, it's still not super funny right now, just sure. because I'm, you know, I still don't have a baseball job, and I miss I miss baseball. But uh, what was explained to me that was going to be available was the the thought from Entercom was that they're asking a lot of Chris Ello to do a talk show leading right up to the pregame, do a quality pregame and a quality, which by the way, he does a great talk show. Chris is really talented. Uh, and, you know, to make him stay all game, do a postgame show, you know, they're, they're working the guy to death and yeah. it's not fair. Let's just, the, the, the plan, I guess, was from Entercom side, let's take that away from Chris, just let him do talk. We'll talk to him about that. And uh, we'll bring you out to do pre and post. Now, we can't promise you any play-by-play, but if you really are serious about you want to move to San Diego, we can do that. So, again, uh, learning lessons, you know, ask a lot of questions, folks. Don't just assume things. Uh, The bottom line there, Jeff, is that Entercom never really communicated with the Padres that this is what we want to do. And it leaked in New York that I was leaving, which is probably my fault because I told the Mets I was going and, um, you know, asked them to keep it quiet. But somehow it, it got out. It got into the New York papers that I was leaving. Um, the first thing that got out was embarrassingly incorrect. It was the Daily News had a thing that I was being uh, fired by WFAN and Mark Chernoff, who's a really good yeah. friend and, you know, yeah. one of my mentors in the business. So I was like aghast. I called Mark. I'm like, what? And he's like, hey, I, you know, I had nothing to do with that. And obviously that's not what happened, you know. So uh, this was all coming down right before, of all things, the USC-UCLA game at the Rose Bowl, uh, November, whatever that was, in 18. It was a Josh Kelly game where he ran for the four yep. touchdowns. And um, it's the middle of the pregame show. And, you know, my phone's blowing up, Twitter's blowing up. You know, it says Lewin's been fired, blah, blah, blah. So I get a call during a commercial from the guy with the post, uh, not – Mushnick, but uh, Andrew Marshand. Yeah. And I, I really didn't have time to talk. I said, look, all, all, all I can say is um, I've got something lined up. Um, I am leaving New York, but, you know, if you do me a solid, if you know, if you want to write something, please set the record straight that I didn't get canned. Yeah. Because that's embarrassing, you know, for everybody. And uh, so Andrew's a good journalist. He started mm-hmm. sniffing around and he calls me back a couple days later, says, all right, I know where you're going. I'm like, oh, please don't. Because, I, you know, I haven't signed a contract yet. There's not, you know, I don't know who knows what out here. He's like, I know you're going to the Padres. And I said, well, I, I can't comment on that. I said, but off the record, I'm not going to the Padres. He says, well, you're going to be working in San Diego. I said, well, yeah, that's true. But it's going to be for Entercom. It's not for the Padres. And that's a really important distinction. And if you're going to write something, mm. I'm begging you, 
please put it in there. I'm not coming out here to do play-by-play. I don't want Don Orsillo to read this and say, what the yeah. F? I don't want Jesse Agler or Ted, you know, right. to read this and say, what? You know, what? You know, I don't even know if they've told Chris Ello their plan yet, that, you know, I'm going to yeah. come out and do pre and post so he can concentrate on the talk show. Well, turns out nobody had told anybody anything. All that leaked out way too early, and I don't blame the Padres. They were pissed. They're like, what? You know, you, you hired a, a pre and post game guy and didn't even tell us? So um, uh, about a month later, I got an audience with the Padres people and I showed them the, uh, the clip from the office of Kevin's chili. (laughs) (laughs) Where, you know, it's like, look, you know, all good intentions. Uh, You know, I've already left the Mets. It was a great job and I loved it, but I want to be out here. I was told that there was a path for me to be out here. I was never supposed to be working for you guys, supposed to be working for Intercom. Left hand never talked to the right hand. I am so sorry about that. If I had any role in that, I apologize. I mean, honestly, I don't think I really did. I just kind of got caught in the crossfire. But, you know, I said, this is Kevin's chili. You know, I mean, the chili's all over your rug. I'm here to help clean it up. I'm so sorry this happened. Let's, you know, try to go forward. And um, it never got cleaned up. So when the Red Sox had their opening about two months later, basically Entercom Boston said, is Lewin not doing anything for you? And Intercom San Diego said, yeah, we can't get this mess cleaned up out here. And they said, well, we got like 50, 55 games that need to be done. Can we borrow him? So I had this weird situation where I was being paid by Intercom San Diego to work for Intercom in Boston doing the Red Sox. And and the whole time I'm thinking, okay, this is only for now. Let's get through this spring and summer. I'm going to, you know, do my 50, 55 games with the Red Sox. At least it's still play by play. They're coming off a world series. It's fun. You know, I miss the Red Sox. It's a great, great gig. But the whole summer I'm thinking eventually the left hand and right hand will talk. We'll figure this out. Uh, If everybody's on board, and, and I can do pre and post and, you know, fill in on 10 or 12 play-by-play games. If that comes up, great. You know, never happened. So here it is 2021, and I'm still a little bit um, disappointed and, and mm-hmm. confused as to why it never got cleaned up. To me, it was an easy fix. It's like, guys, uh, we started off on a horrible, weird foot here. You know, I understand that, you know, left hand and right hand never talked and, that's sloppy, but I'm not the one that did the leak back in New York. uh, I'm just a guy caught in the middle here. I've moved to San Diego. The Padres are my team. I go to the games. Uh, You know, I listen to Ted and Jesse all the time. I'd love to be a part of it. If you'd like to have me, I'm, I'm all in. So, um, you know, again, they're prerogative. If, If they don't need my services, that's cool. And by the way, you know, Crystal does a great job on, on the, and he's found a way to, to juggle all that and, and not kill himself, which is great. Yeah. I don't know how he does it, but that's awesome. Um, if there's no room at the end, if they don't need my services, okay, you know, again, respect it. But to be totally fair and totally honest, uh, yeah, I'm disappointed because I, I left a pretty good thing in New York to something I thought was going to be available out here and just simply never was. And you're well-known here. You're well-liked here. It's not like you're Josh Lewin coming from the Rangers. You're a guy that we know that's, in this town. Yeah, I mean, You have a great we, reputation Well, I, I, I hope so. I mean, that that's the one a little bit confusing part is where, you know, I'm, I'm like smelling my armpits. Like, did I, you know, what, <laughs> yeah. what did I do? That, you know, I mean, I don't think I've offended anybody no. in this town, and I don't think my name is Mud. Uh, and if it is, I'd love the chance to clear it up. I, you know, I think I do a halfway decent job of 
a pre and post game show. It's like, you know, you and I, it's funny. We started, yeah. started the podcast talking about that's how I got going was right. doing pre and post in Baltimore back in the mid nineties. And there were people that I confided in, in the business that were like, why the hell would you give up Mets play by play to do a pregame show in San Diego? And the answer was very easy. It's because I like San Diego. I'm home. And, and it's home. And I like the Padres. And, you know, I don't need to scale a mountain anymore. You know, I've done network television play by play. It's like the, the best you can get. Yeah. You know, who am I trying to impress anymore? You know, I, I would love to just have my hometown team be the Padres, be around it. And, you know, I basically said to, to those guys, whatever role you do have, you know, I mean, if you don't want me on pre and post, if you don't want me to fill in on play by play, I get it. That's because you have really qualified quality people already doing this. I don't want to Bigfoot anybody. I don't sure. want to step on toes. But if you ever figure out something that I could do in the community for you, you know, be an ambassador, be a, um, you know, some sort of um, uh, brand ambassador for you, I, I'd love to do it because I love the Padres. It'd be great. It hasn't happened, and um, you know maybe someday it will. I think that would be cool. But if not, I will find something else to do. Yeah. Is there a dream job in broadcasting, and is there any truth that Jeff and I would say you don't want to be the guy that replaces a legend like a Vince Scully? Which, by the way, I think Joe Davis does a great job. Oh, there. Joe's awesome. I mean, is there any truth when you're looking for a job going, man, that, that – that name that, you know, basically career is too big to follow. I, well, I learned that one with Harry. That, that was for damn sure. You know, you want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows Harry. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I've had a lot of dream jobs already, Dave. I mean, I, like I say, I feel so not to be weird or corny about it, just so blessed because I, you know, I, I think I'm okay at what I do, but I'm not, you know, I'm not the best guy out there. I, I've had a lot of good luck, a lot of good fortune and, a lot of good friends in the business that have helped to uh, to make me better. And the Tigers was a cool job. The Rangers was a cool job. Uh, the Chargers was an amazing job. The 50-odd games I did for the Red Sox were totally cool. You know, I got to work with Joe Castiglione and, yeah. you know, be around that environment. And, you know, the Mets can't say enough. I mean, you know, you're going to work with, with Gary Cohen yeah. and Howie Rose and Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling. And, you know, these are your peers. Yeah. You know, I mean, that I flew way too close to the sun on that stuff. You know, I didn't deserve any of that probably. So, no, I, I've already done, I mean, let alone the network stuff, like you say, you know, I got to work with, uh, you know, got to work with McCarver, got to work with, with, you mentioned earlier, Ken Singleton, got to work with George Brett and Frank Robinson and all these amazing people. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to eulogize myself. I mean, I still no. feel like I've got some value and, and I love doing the UCLA games and uh, filling in on the Clippers games has been yeah. fun. You know, I mean, that do an NBA for the first time. That's been a, a kick. So, um, you know, I, I've been getting a lot of good shit to do and uh, whatever comes next, if it's a fit, I'm all in. And, and maybe that's the lesson with the Padres here, right? I mean, maybe it just was not a fit for whatever reason that I don't quite yet understand, but somewhere in the universe, there's an explanation that says what we got right now is plenty. We don't, we don't need your help. Thanks anyway. And, uh, you know, I, I think I got to be cool with that. You know what? And, and I'm not even saying this and I'm going to ask you about UCLA because what an incredible run for, for you to watch this year. But Dave, this came to me on the drive down and it's so goddamn funny <laughs> and you're going to think I'm joking, but I'm honestly not. I really think the next ideal job for you is the voice of the Las Vegas Raiders. And hear me out on this. Brent Musburger right now has to be pushing 80 100. years old. He's got to be pushing 80. Yeah, but 80. he sounds like he's 50. He sounds great. I got it. But he's still got to be pushing 80. The Raiders 
job with Allegiant works out perfectly because it's no longer the cross-country flights. You're back in the NFL where you belong. You still have the opportunity to do UCLA, and it's a 45-minute flight. And I can't think of anybody, for me, as a Raider fan, hmm. that I would love more calling the games. And listen, I go back, Dave and I go back. We were Bill King guys. We started oh, as Bill, Bill King Bill guys. Bill is the best. Great Papa guys, right, that we had the, the chance to meet, and Jim and Tom and everything. But I'm just saying... That, for me, in a very selfish way, as your friend and as a Raider fan, I can Well, that's, be, I mean, I, I will say come that. Come on, how great would that be? That, that's a hell Chargers. of a gig. That's a hell of a gig. <laughs> yeah, so we're not pushing Brent out, but no, I'm just No, 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 Brent, Brent should do that as long as he wants. But, yeah, I mean, I, I will say that uh, I, I don't want to say there are dream jobs, you know, one over the other. Sure. But for sure, I miss the NFL. There's no question about it. Could you imagine going it. with the Raiders, matching up against the Chargers, that's watching the great. silver and black steamroll that team like they're going to judge? I, uh, I have, you know I have no comment on that, Jeff. No, that's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying it in a selfish way. But, no, but, you know. Don't the, derail me. I, I will say, though, that the NBA stuff has been really fun. That's opened my eyes. I mean, especially once the crowds start coming back. I, I can understand why people dig the NBA jobs. So those are cool. And I will say, in terms of dream jobs, and, not, and this is not to, to lick but here it's really not uh the ucla job is a dream I job i gotta ask you on this because having watched so many and, and enjoying your work for so long I, I got such a kick out of your ucla football is a blast for me to listen to and i can enjoy it even as a usc fan because my dad's a ucla guy you're at ucla so i can enjoy it i don't i'm one of the rare guys that's a nice you, apology that's good <laughs> yeah no i enjoy i enjoy both of them but I really enjoyed your work this year on UCLA basketball. And I say this, Josh, as the most casual of basketball fans. Dave's a hardcore. My sons are hardcore. I'm casual. Bring me back to the final four. Mm. After everything that had happened for this team, the unbelievable run they're on. Because having heard so many of your calls, the genuine emotion that I heard from you is my friend hmm. at the end you can't fake that. You can't fake what you're seeing. Take because so, you're actually on the road. You're UCLA, there. UCLA for me, and and this is a. It's kind of weird, but you know, I told you guys whatever nine hours ago when we started this podcast. Sorry. That uh, no, no, no. That's me because I'm a blabbermouth. The um, you know, wanting to do this since I was five. One of the things that I used to pretend when I was five, six, seven years old, that and this was in Rochester, New York. Keep in mind, was that I was the voice of the UCLA Bruins. Wow. Wow. And, and it's not necessarily because of geography, certainly. It's because my last name rhymes. I thought that would be cool. <laughs> I'm Josh Lewin, voice of the Bruins. And they were winning. You know, I mean, I didn't know that much about college basketball, but this was the mid-70s. John Wooden was just on his way out. You know, they, they had, in San Diego, yes. they, they had just won, you know, beaten yep. Kentucky. That might have been the first college basketball game I ever watched, for, for all I know. But I used to kind of, dick around with that in the back of my head like you know hey Lewin and Bruin that's kind of that's kind of fun yeah. and uh you know Chris Roberts became a friend I used to listen to him yeah. on the broadcast mm -hmm. and just figured he'd do it forever you know no big deal and I, I already had gigs yeah. you know I wasn't looking to do UCLA but all of a sudden when the Chargers were maybe going to stay maybe not and I didn't know what was going on it was kind of time to hedge my bets that job came open and when they called you know, I had to explain to them, like, well, you guys don't even know the half of it. Like, not only am I interested, but like when I was in first grade, like I wanted to do this. Like I wanted to do UCLA Bruins games. So that's a little backstory. I just, you know, I loved when they called and said, do you want to do this? I'm like, 
shit, yes. I mean, this would be so cool. <laughs> it's just a matter of juggling. You know, at the time, I still had Chargers and I still had Mets. So the geography was insane at that point. But uh, made it work. It was, it was fun. Uh, you know, football wasn't great when I first got there. Still isn't. But I, I think they're turning a corner. My first basketball with them was, was Lonzo. And TJ Leaf, yep. you know, and that whole group, um, their their very first game, I always remember that I did for basketball was against Pacific, mm. and they had sixty seven points at halftime, <laughs> and I was gassed. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god, I can't keep up. Like I am, I've lost weight. Like th- I mean, this is exhausting. I'm like three yeah. passes behind here. I can't, uh-huh. I can't do this. <laughs> and you know, they go on. They they made the Sweet Sixteen and shit yep. their pants against Kentucky. But okay. And then it turned down. You know, they started having some mediocre years. And I'm like, okay, well, it's still UCLA. It's still, I mean, my offices are the Rose Bowl and Pauley Pavilion. I mean, that's really tough to beat, you know, and the people are great, uh, you know, everything about it. So uh, I say that it's kind of a buildup that no matter what would have happened this year, it was still going to be fun, pandemic or not. You know, Mm -hmm. that, that obviously was a challenge, but they lose four in a row at the end of the season. And you're thinking, man, they're not even going to make the damn tournament, yeah. you know, after all this. And I'm thinking, well, maybe that's a blessing. You know, I mean, this pandemic thing has been, you know, to, to do those games from a conference room. A lot of times the cable goes out and I end up calling the game off my cell phone, you know, on a 50,000 watt radio station. I'm calling the game off on yeah. my cell phone. What am I even doing? You know, let's just go home. Forget it. But then Selection Sunday and I'm watching and by God, you know, the first three brackets are done. They're not, and now I'm getting pissed. I'm like, well, they, you know, they, they should be in there. And there's one last shot. It's the 11 seed. You know, they, they can be one of those two 11 seeds. And they reveal the 11 seeds. I saw MSU and, and then, okay, something else is coming. This is all like in a millisecond, but okay. It's either, you know, it's going to be somebody else. Might be us, might be. And sure enough said UCLA. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Get to go to Indiana now. Get to do one game. That'll be fun, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, watch them get their asses kicked by Michigan State and yeah. come home. But, yeah. th- you know, fine. It, at least it's a chance to get out of the conference room. We can travel now. This is going to be fun. They get down 14 points against Michigan State. And it's like, well, see, told you, you know, we'll come home. And at least that was fun. Then they win pretty convincingly in overtime. Then they win again. Then they win again. Then they win again. Then they win again. Yeah. And that Gonzaga game, you, you don't even realize until way after it's done how epic that yeah. game was because I, I would think it's like being in the eye of a storm where you just you know you, you don't even realize all the noise and the cacophony and how insane it is because you're but then you start reading the game story you're like wait a minute there were 19 lead changes Oof. and there were 14 ties and nobody was ever up more than four points on anybody the whole what did i just see yeah, yeah. what and the, the kid hit the shot from how many feet right with how many seconds right. left? Zero? Right. Uh, so an amazing run. And uh, I think it's really whetting everybody's appetite for what should be a really, really fun 2022. That's amazing. So I was thinking about it, UCLA, and it, where, where we are right now, there's a ton of Alabama stuff because my son played at Alabama. But yeah, this was a UCLA <laughs> house because my, my grandmother was the first class of women to graduate from UCLA. Oh, so right on. Something that my family is very proud of. 
And so I grew up in LA, you know, very, very close to Westwood. And I had was, no idea, Dave. Oh, yeah. Super, <laughs> yeah. super close. Yeah, to, yeah, I don't ever hear you about the Dodgers ever. So, so. Oh, oh, that part, yes, yeah, about UCLA. So don't talk a lot of UCLA. But one thing is about UCLA is obviously John Wooden and the success of UCLA basketball. But you've had a couple moments where you probably had to pinch yourself. As you said, growing up a Mets fan and you're doing Mets games. And here you are, as you said, you practiced since you were five years old, being a UCLA guy. I mean, when you're in Poly Pavilion, do you just like kind of catch yourself every once yeah, in a while well, going, oh my God, you know how much history is right here? That's why I say, you know, you'll never catch me doing the whole, you know, but I was promised this and, you know, Nolan Ryan was mean to me. Yeah. Or I mean, I got to do Mets games for seven years, you know, with a great partner on a, an amazing radio station, you know, on WFAN. Yeah. Uh, you know, they went to a World Series, for God's sake. You know, they, they actually led in all five games, didn't win it, but that's okay. Um, you know, so that's the team of my youth. And I got to do their games for seven years. Wow. Um, UCLA, you know, the team that I thought, you know, when I was like this little, little kid, like, wouldn't, ha, ha, you know, wouldn't that be funny? if I was and, and, and I'm still doing the games now. And like you say, you're, you're walking down a hallway where the, the original pyramid of success is in a frame. Wow. And you're at the Rose Bowl in a booth named for Keith Jackson, for yeah. God's sake, you know? And, um, you know, I, I went to college in Chicago, got to do the, the Cubs for a year. You know, I mean, no, I didn't get to keep the job for more than a year, but I got to do it. And I got to say that I worked near Harry, you know, if not with Harry, you know? So, you know, go to Detroit next and, and Ernie hasn't retired yet. You know, he's in the, um, you know, in one booth and I'm in the, in the other, you know, I'm doing TV, he's doing radio. I'm like, what? This is so crazy yeah. so um yeah every minute that i'm doing ucla i just i do pinch myself i'm like this is so cool and you find yourself sometimes um you know when they're losing to oregon state in overtime and you're thinking they're going to miss out on the tournament and you're pissed and you're throwing your pen <laughs> Damn it! You know? and, and and then you gotta re you know remember and realize like wait a minute this is such a damn blessing that, that i get to do i'm getting paid for this it's a, it's just the most incredible job. So, um, yeah, there, there's always that, I think, in the back of my mind, for sure. Uh, during COVID, Josh was a blast to follow on social media at Josh Lewin Stuff because there were the Mexican jumping bean races. Oh, I forgot about there that. There was the Great. unbelievable, I don't know how you did it, the nine different squares where you were doing harmonizing and vocals, the whole thing. But something that means a lot to me as I mentioned, having lost friends to suicide and everything else, is what you're doing for people, Josh, to make them feel not alone, to make them feel better, and it's oktogether.com. Yeah, And, and yeah. It's, it's incredibly special. I appreciate what you're doing, and we can't let you leave. We've kept you a long time. But I would like you to talk about that because I think it, it can be meaningful and hopefully helpful. Do I got to go home? No, is this ending? Am I going to die? <laughs> no, you're all good. Uh, let people know what you're doing. No, so um, I started OkayTogether.com. I, I think is just kind of a a safe house, or more of a uh, that's probably the wrong word. Just a, a place where I think, kind of like what you just said, Jeff, where you can remind yourself that there are people that are going through something, whether it's anxiety or depression or both, uh, you know, weird thoughts, tough thoughts. And I think just knowing that there's a community, that there's other people that are going through, not exactly what you're going mm -hmm. through, but something along those lines anyway. And I always go back to, to that stupid freaking movie, Ted, 
<laughs> with the, where they talk about the Thunder Buddies, yeah, right? You yeah. know, and, and Mark Wahlberg is sitting there with the with the stuffed bear, yep. and they're hugging each other because they're scared of the of the thunderstorm, you know, and they're Thunder Buddies, and that's what was kind of the impetus for the website was I think we all need a Thunder Buddy, I think we do, and I don't think there's any shame in putting that out there, you know, to be so macho that now I, you know, I don't need a Thunder Buddy, you know, it's stupid. Yeah. No, I think sometimes we all do need just a, a little bit uh, of a hug, a mental hug. And uh, just to know that, that there's a community of other people going through something, uh, I think, can be a, a little bit of a beacon. So th- that's all it was designed to do. I'm no, you know, I don't have any kind of uh, background in, in any of the important stuff. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a sociologist. I, you know, I, all I know is that sometimes things get scary and things get real. And, uh, you know, I always go back to, you know, when, when the Rangers job was getting away and my first marriage was getting away, I I left the Rangers job and my marriage within 36 hours of each other. And as a guy with proclivities towards anxiety, that was a pretty rough 36 hours, you know, to, to leap from a burning building, but you don't know if there's a mattress down below you to, to catch you, but you just got to leap because the building's on fire. You just, you, you got to go. And that's some scary shit. And having come out the other side of that, and you guys can certainly both speak to this too. I mean, you know, Dave, what you've been through and, you know, Jeff, you mentioned mm-hmm. your, your, I mean, we all have something mm-hmm. and it, and it's not a, a demeasuring contest, you know, like my stuff's better than yours. Nope. My stuff's worse than yours, or, you know, you're luckier than I am everybody's got a little something that, that they deal with. And, and that's all the website's about is just, you know, read a story or read a, um, it's not really a proverb. That's the wrong, it's not religious, but there, there's a spiritual element to it of, you know, find something on here that speaks to you that can just kind of help embrace you a little bit. And if that just kind of gets you out of your funk for a minute or an hour or a day or a week, then great. Wow. Yeah. I think Dave, what, what Josh said so perfectly is the thunder buddy. Because I had people that would reach out to me, Josh, and and I was always very clear to say, listen, I'm not a doctor. I don't feel right giving advice. And often they would just say, no, but you're a friend. And sometimes I don't want to go to a doctor because I'm intimidated to do that. I just need to know. I just need a friend to tell me tomorrow's going to be better than today. Yeah. yeah, That's really well said. That's really well said. Where you can just go and all of a sudden you don't feel like you're on an island. And and I I say this, I preface it, I know Josh and Dave feel the same way. If things are sliding away, I went to therapy, uh, do that, right? I mean, like as much as I love you reaching out to me, Go see a professional, please, for all of us. Well, you know, we we, we shouldn't, I don't think we're here to suffer, you know? I mean, again, not not to be weird or spiritual or whatever, but, you know, I think we're supposed to enjoy the time that we've got here, where we're here is. And, you know, we we can put ourselves geographically in places that make sense. For me, it's Solana Beach. That's my happy. I mean, I figured that one out when I was doing the Chargers. Um, you know, found a, a marriage that made more sense, uh, found a job with UCLA that makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, I'm still searching for, you know, whether it's an NFL cog or an NBA cog, or hopefully someday Major League Baseball shows up again. You know, I'm open to all that, but it's got to be a fit. It's got to be right. It's got to feel like you want to embrace it back. And, uh, you know, I, I'm ready for that. I think we all deserve that. So whatever walk of life you're in, whatever job, whatever, you know, profession that you happen to be in. I think that's it. I mean, just go where it feels 
correct and where you get support and where people dig you and love you and and have your back and uh, you know like i say i'm really fortunate you guys are friends mm-hmm. uh i'm you know always open to making more friends here in san diego i've got friends back in new york texas whatever you know people in the industry that i i love to listen to and learn from um there's so much good that we all have access to so you know when, when you when you lose that path a little bit right mm-hmm. you know when, when you start forgetting or, or you can't see where that stuff's located that's where I think it's really important to reach out to somebody who can remind you where it is. Uh, it started 25 years ago, ironically. Glenn Geffner said oh, to Geff's me, the best. Uh, Patreon subscribers said, man, I'm telling you, pay attention to Josh Lewin. He's great. Mm-hmm. We took all those different things. Josh, I can't thank you Absolutely. enough. I know Dave feels the same way. The one thing I would always say is what we try to do is while we know that there are plenty of more accomplishments coming on the Josh Lewin resume, Take a few minutes. You have a very long drive home tonight. <laughs> I really do. You, you, son of a bitch. you guys are in the Sonoran Desert out here. It's ridiculous. But, but, but take a few minutes. <laughs> what we always say, and we always try to tell our friends, and we try to do the same thing is, appreciate what you've accomplished, man. You have made an impact in this business that not a lot of guys have. You've called all four major sports at a very, Thank you, Clippers. That was a lot of the missing piece. Yeah. Appreciate you. At a very high level it's and done it consistently. Yeah, right. <laughs> and always been a solid guy. It's the one thing Dave and I used to always say. We were at Charger games all the time, but we would always leave you alone on Sunday because we're like... Because you're dicks? No, because we were like, you're prepping, you're in the zone, and the last thing you need to do, you're not hosting the Johnny Carson show. You don't need no. us two assholes coming in bugging you. But I'm You would have you, been welcome. I appreciate that very much. Celebrate what you've accomplished and then let us know what you're going to accomplish well, next, man. I, I can't wait to see it. Not not to be strange and, and try to reflect it back on you guys, but uh, what you're doing is really important stuff too, and, and you're really good at it. You're missed on terrestrial radio. I, can, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that, but the fact that you guys are doing what you're doing, you do it with good humor and right. insight and care, and uh, I'm a fan. I've always been Thank a fan. You. So I uh, appreciate, appreciate you guys a lot. I do. How much fun just to come down. Like I always say to people, we just come down. There's no notes. There's no oh, it's the best just hour a, 40 drive I ever took. <laughs> it's just a conversation. <laughs> Josh is on Twitter at Josh Lewin stuff. I got that right. You did. Right? Yeah, yeah. Josh Lewin stuff and OKTogether.com is the website where it's hopefully making a positive impact. Brother, it's always great seeing you. Stay safe and we'll do it again. Love you guys. Thanks Love for you having me. Appreciate Josh. you. Uh, unbelievable. Josh Lewin has just left. I tell you what, Dave, I was so genuinely excited. Listen, anytime somebody's nice enough to come down and hang out in the garage, I get excited. I know you do too. Yeah. But that one for me, knowing the career that he has, the respect that we have for him, the friendship that we have with him, that one I was really, really hyped up to do. And I thought he crushed it. So I hope all of you that are... Charger fans enjoyed that, and Josh Lewin fans, man, just genuinely such a good person. I'm just glad we got it out because before COVID, we plan on bringing him on, and so here we are, you know, more than a year later, and it was great. I love talking to guys about how their careers work, and he seems so calm. I would have been so nervous that every time I was out of a job or looking for a job, especially when you know yeah. there are only 30 teams, and those guys don't go anywhere. They don't retire, so... It's not like Major League Baseball. You have a 10-year career. I mean, these guys are there 40 years, and it's go the next one would pop up, and the next one would pop up. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. So when I was 26, I was uh, kind of producing for Hedgecock. Yeah. 
And I, I thought that was really great. And it was. This fucking maniac, when he's 26, is doing national games on Fox. Yeah. And, and listen, he downplayed it by talking about Chicago and, hey, I wasn't ready. Bullshit. He was really, really good, and he's always been really, really good. And he said it. If you go in and you don't ask the right questions, but you're going into Chicago. Yeah. Now, the, the other part of that story that we missed, and I, I take the blame for that, He's a kid that went to Northwestern, Dave. Yeah. It's it's not like he went to Florida State or or Miami of Ohio. Like you're going back there and even though you grew up as a Mets fan, you work on the Orioles, when you're the Cubs games are everywhere, like he said. And you go back and Harry's beloved by everybody and you're thinking, "Man, this is going to be great." And then he kind of freezes you out. It's uh, he's traveled an incredible path, man. I I, I enjoyed that a lot. And I'm glad we're friends. Yeah, with absolutely. Him. him and Geffner, both Northwestern guys. Well, love Geffner because he told me Geff took that really. Geff will tell you whenever he comes in. He said we got to send the jet to get him. <laughs> but Geff was really upset by that, and that was way before we got to be friends with Josh. But yeah. I remember him telling me like, "Hey, man, this is wrong. What's going on in Chicago?" Because Josh went there. To do what he said, be the middle three guy, do all the games on uh, the road, and he ended up being like the sideline guy, right? Yeah, horseshit. Yeah, interviewing uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary when they came in to sing the anthem. That's bullshit. <laughs> hey, Jeff, want to mention Dan Williams. Dan Williams is doing great things. You're seeing people on Twitter telling great stories. Uh, Dan has helped them out. He can help you out as well. Again, when it, by the time you hear this, it will be Tuesday. Don't forget to check out his YouTube, The Bar Smart Two-Minute Tuesday. Dan, again, wants to help you through money difficulties and at the same time wants to help you get out of the rental market and buy your first house. Dan's the one you need to talk to to get you out of debt. Don't waste any more time. Give Dan a call at 858-688-6813, 858-688-6813. Uh, he's helping me right now, helping me refinance the condo which is incredibly important, and he has made it incredibly easy. It would be great if my goofball ex-wife could realize the goddamn email I've sent her. Dan's waiting for this application. Let's get it done. And I just want it stated for the record. I have sent the email over three times. I know she's the attorney, but I know Dan's listening to it going, hey, fuck are you doing over there? <laughs> doing NHL mock drafts? Get this goddamn application. I've done my best. And then she has the audacity to say, you know what? I could probably fill this out tonight and just put you down as the co-borrower. I was like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Like, what? Shut up. I was trying to make it easy. I'm getting all offended. Goddamn, my name's on that deed. She's like, all right, then you fill it out. I'll be the co-borrower. Borrower. I go, no, I'm not doing that. She's like, exactly. She's such a pain in the ass for her. I don't know. I started laughing. But... Ultimately, we'll get this thing done. Oh, my God, it's so funny. But poor Dan, I'm like, me and uh, this other knucklehead are trying to get it squared away. But it's so great to have somebody on your side that can help. Yes. And, Dan, I'm 100% teasing about my ex-wife. We get along great. And it's this very simple process, and Dan's made it that way for us. We couldn't be more happy. Look, when you're ready to buy that new home, Brian Curry is the one you need to talk to. If you're looking to sell your home, so many people are doing that right now. It is very rare to see basically house for sale signs, but when you do see them, it makes you want to drive over and look 
because you yeah. know right now they're gold mines. Yeah. And so Brian Curry right now is in a very interesting situation. He's been doing this more than 25 years. But he will help you sell your home and also find the neighborhood where you need to go next. Make sure you call our good friend Brian Curry. He'll set you up. 619-251-1588. 619-251-1588. Here's a uh, public service public service announcement. If our friend Brian is running an open house, don't do what our friend Mike Costa does, and that is walk in, act like you're an interested buyer, and then empty out the snack bowl. Okay. <laughs> Don't go in there and take the mini chips ahoy. That is a bullshit move. <laughs> Brian's there trying to sell a house. Mike's never done that. I was just trying to think of somebody quick that I could blame, and he's overseas. He'll never hear it. But we say it all the time, Dave. There are neighborhoods where you never really think, man, this could be a great place to stay or raise our kids. I was up in, you know, I was, I was about two minutes away from Rancho Buena Vista High School. Okay. And I've been up. I, I don't work far from there. Yeah. But uh, friends invited us over for a barbecue on Saturday. And we went up and then we took the dog up. And, you know, about five o'clock in the afternoon, dog's got to go out for a walk. So we take the dog and, and I'm looking and I go, this is absolutely like the most gorgeous little neighborhood. All the homes have pools in the backyard, right? And you go, where are we technically? And they start laughing. They're like, well, this is Vista, Oceanside. And I go, God damn, I grew up in Encinitas, played sports against both of them, and I would have never thought just because, I don't know, no explanation, but just insanely beautiful neighborhood where you go, this would be great. And for all of us, I lived here going on 40 years. If you've lived here that long and you don't know the back roads and you don't necessarily know everywhere where you could live, Guess who does? Brian Curry. Let him find the next house for you. Absolutely. Don't forget about that pool as well. If you're looking to put that pool in the backyard, because man, you know, it's going to be extremely hot the next few weeks. And it's always a great time to jump in the pool year around in San Diego. Taylor made pools. Alan Taylor standing by. You got to get on his schedule. 619-449-4452. 619-449-4452. Boy, I tell you what, I think it was 91 inland today. It's going to be worse as the week goes on. So for everybody, uh, please be careful. But now that I've said that, I'm also going to say, I fucking told you, don't sit there. <laughs> go and, ahead. Yeah. Oh, right. I, didn't see, I didn't see this coming. The fuck you didn't. I've been telling you for five months. Well, I had to put a log on the fire. It was chilly at night and there was a marine layer. And I'll tell you what, mister, the last thing I was thinking about at that point was a pool. Well, guess what? Who's the dumb shit? Not me. Shithead, you are. I told you, it's going to get hot. You're going to need a pool. Well, it's going to get hot. You're going to need a pool. I might. Guess what? I guess you're right. I need a pool. Sorry, I'm having heat stroke. (laughs) Fuck. Don't be that stupid idiot. Yeah, we were out by the pool all weekend, Dave. It was fantastic. Don't be the one sitting there trying to play Marco Polo in the goddamn lawn dart area, get a pool built. But then you got to deal with those relatives coming over. I can't help you with that. <laughs> Kyle Fluger is the one you want to talk to when it comes to fixing a website, building a website, or just making one that actually works right. Kyle Fluger is your guy. 619 500 
6621. Dave, you mentioned the idea, the ones that work right. Boy, there is nothing more frustrating right now. I know a lot of us are getting back to work. Uh, you can notice it in the commute. Holy cow. Feels like all of a sudden we went from having 10 yes. cars on the road to having 10,000 cars on the road. Welcome back, everybody. But for the few of us that still occasionally work from home, man, if we have to travel to a website and that website is not working properly, it is a terrible experience and one that more often than not is going to keep people from coming back. Don't let them say that about your website. If it's not working at the level you need, then call Kyle so he can help you get there. All right. How old are they and how much are they worth? We'll go on June 14th. We're going to start okay. off with Donald Trump. Oh, wow. Um, shit. You would think I would know this. I would say uh, 73. 75. 75. And I'm going to say... Uh, Let's say the published number is going to be $1.7 billion. It says $2.4. Really? That's what it says. Yep. It's a, that one's interesting. All right. Okay. Boy George. Boy George. Let me think about this. Let's say Boy George is, let's say 63. 60. Mm. Now, the money doesn't make any sense because he was living like in the house of one of the people on Beverly Hills Housewives. Because yeah. he had no money, but this thing says he's a lot of money. Five million? Fifty million, it says. Fifty? Bullshit, dude. Bullshit. You weren't living in somebody's house. You're not. Kato Kalen's like bullshit. Yeah, guy was renting a room. Yasmin Bleeth. That's the Katie Temple feature of the day. Yasmin <laughs> Bleeth. Let's say she's uh forty six. Fifty three. God bless her. God bless her. This might sting a little. Two million. Exactly right. Ah! All right, last one. Wait, hang on. That's yes. about goddamn perfect right there. <laughs> I don't know what your rush is. I'm the guy. She hasn't aged rum. well. She hasn't aged well. Is that well. right? Yeah, not good. Don't don't Google her. Steffi Graf. Steffi Graf. Married to Andre Agassi. Yeah. Somebody we knew had a friend that worked as their yeah, nanny. That's right. Or did we know, or is our friend was their nanny? No, we knew... That's a good question. I would have said a friend that we knew. Maybe it, maybe she was the nanny. I think she was the nanny. And said they were great. Yeah, so they're extremely nice. Um, I'm going to say Steffi Graf is 54. 52. And I'm going to say uh, $80 million. $145 million. God damn. How about that? How Tomorrow's about my that? wife's birthday. I'm not going to tell you how much she's worth. <laughs> uh, Rita Palais tomorrow <laughs> turns 31. She's telling everyone she's 39. Well, and she's, she's not. And she's uh, worth $500 million in patience alone and tolerance for bullshit. All right, here we go. Five random questions. Okay. Which dead celebrity would you like to meet? Mm. Which dead celebrity would I like to meet? Uh, think about that. That's a really good one. I'm going to say... I'm going to say, oh, I like this one a lot, Dave. I got to make sure we get this right. I'm going to go ahead and say John Lennon. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm going to say John Lennon. That's a good one. Uh, I'd like to meet him and be like, hey, maybe have the driver take you right inside the gate. Just saying. <laughs> you son of a bitch, dude. That might be the cruelest thing you've ever said. Well, I'm trying to help him. I got you. Who are you meeting? You know, the first thing came to my mind was... Will Chamberlain? The first thing that came to my mind was Marilyn Monroe. That's funny. I thought about her, really? too. 
Because I kind of want to know if she's as hot as everybody said. And two is, from our understanding, she was pretty easy. She banged everybody. Yeah, Sinatra. Or she banged all the Yankees. Mr. Coffee. Yeah. Well, she banged Joe and then the other 24 guys in pinstripes. Yeah. That's, That's what I heard. That's a pretty good one. No, Jackie Robinson was my choice. Oh, I love that one. That was it. Uh, Ali would have been a great I, one. I thought too. you were going to go Ali. Yeah, if I had Ali a guess, would I would have said you were going to say Ali. Yeah, I like that one. All right. Why is your best friend your best friend? Uh, simple. Uh, I take my kids out of the equation, and uh, I'll I'll put Dave Palais on that list, and it's simple. I'm his best friend because nobody else will be. <laughs> I don't want to be a charity case. You're not a charity case. I don't know why I find you funny. There are so many days when you're so fucking annoying, but yet somehow... Because you get the dumb sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. I just ignored you yesterday on social media because I just felt it was such a blatant cry for attention. And I refuse to play your game. And you, God damn, but you're, this was the greatest thing on, on social media. When you, when you determined you needed a statue, was, it was so Dude, great. Dude, I, I cringed when I put sin. It was so great. But then the funniest thing is when your own kid just knees you in your tiny nuts. I couldn't believe it. He picked the Padres over his old man. Completely ratted me so out to great. everybody. He screenshotted my text. I couldn't believe it. It was so great. Um, yeah, that's it. Because I I just find that shit insanely funny. How about for you? I think it will easily. It's the, the having a best friend, someone you truly trust. You basically, it, it lets you take your guard down. Oh, yeah. hundred. And, and, and seriously, how many people let you take your guard down? You could say whatever, good or bad, anything you want. No, you aren't going to get punched for it. Uh, completely, 100%. And, uh, oh, yeah, they're, they're yeah. Plus, when you, I think, too, when you're pretty much broke together yeah, and we were the only two guys who believed in this show that still might be the case today, then you're like, all right, fuck it. We'll go in. And then when you realize the other guy's just as insane, as stupid as you are, yeah, that helps a lot. Who do you think, uh, let me ask you, let's give you yeah. a couple of guys. Okay. As they say in the South, there are two kind of friends. Okay. The kind of friends that will help you move and the kind of friends will help you move a dead body. Those oh, I like are, that. That's a true friend. Oh, I'd help you move a dead body. Thanks. 100%. 100, we'd move it right to Walchev's backyard. Just flip it over the fence. We just put a Phil's barbecue hat on that guy. We just chuck him over the fence. Sean, what the fuck did you do? Sean. God damn it. F. Lee Bailey just died. Who are we going to call? You're fucked. He's like, I don't know. I must have just snapped. Well, you, yeah, you clearly fucking did, kid. This guy's dead. And he, why? Because he's got Phil's barbecue hat on? You short-fused son of a bitch. You're embarrassing me in front of Chip Trotter. <sighs> <laughs> Who would be the easiest guy of our friends? You and I go crazy, right? We murder somebody. Who are we immediately framing? Woods? We can't frame Woods. Costa's the easiest one. We can't even get into Mike's neighborhood. It's <laughs> not out of passcode. I think it is Walchev. Oh, my God. You could get us to Walchev's house, right? Piece of cake down the street. <laughs> I love his kids, too. And Rosie's awesome. Uh, oh I don't my know. God. I'm trying to think of who we could frame. What do, you want to do? what do you do to somebody you dislike? Not one of your friends. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I love all those guys. Yeah. All right, I'll tell you off the air. Okay. Well, I could probably guess which one you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. What's the first thing you notice about a woman? Oh, 
Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, See, I think things have changed. Yeah? Because, I, and it's funny, I asked my son this question before I asked you the question. He said breast. And in the past, I would have said the same thing. And now, honestly, I think it's it's a smile, how they yeah. carry themselves. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I think the older you get, right? Yeah. I, I tell you, too, uh, yeah, I like the smile answer. The laugh answer is big, too, right? Yeah. Because we spend so much time fucking around. Yeah. You hope at some point you make them laugh. But then if they laugh like uh, Janice from Friends, right? <laughs> They're like, oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. Oh, boy. I'm going to become really boring. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever even heard a lot of girls laugh. <laughs> John makes girls laugh. The legend. Um, I don't know. I've always been I'm trying to think. Like, all the girls I've dated, uh, for the most part, have been brunette. So, eyes too, Dave. Yeah. Always. Do you really? Yeah. God, I'm bad at the eyes thing. I've known people for years. I couldn't tell you what color their eyes are. Really? Yeah. That's funny. Okay, here we go. What's the one thing a woman could do to ruin a date? Oh, oh, God. I Absolutely. And you know this girl. Oh, shit. Uh, so there was a girl that I worked with at Del Mar. Yeah. Gorgeous, smart, funny, the whole thing, right? Like to go out and have a couple of beers. We went to spring training with her and her friend. And, right, Padre yep. Murphy's uh, with Boach. Just the coolest, right? And all of a sudden, after a couple of beers, uh, <laughs> you're like, whoa, adios. Adios. <laughs> right? <laughs> and she did all the time. And then once you're like, all right, well, I'm not going to, like, say, oh, here she is. Who's the luckiest guy on the block? That'd be me. <laughs> I love her to death. She's the girl. He's like, fuck. What is that? What the hell happened there? Yeah. I would say that. You? A race joke. I don't care how good looking you are. You start dropping race jokes. Does that happen? You know, a lot of women that just sit there and all of a sudden... Dude, I tell you what, we were we went out to lunch the other day with a yeah. group of people, and it was, it was it was I'll tell you some of the people there. Our friends Brian and Christy were there. Love them. Okay, Rita, Josh, and I were there. Then then another guy I know I invited him. Said, "Why don't you come along?" He didn't have any family with him, but he, I said, "Why don't you come along?" He came along. Okay. Then he dropped a, a homophobic joke, a, a uh. homosexual joke. And no, it was embarrassing. There was someone at the table who had a sibling that was gay. Yeah. But they didn't know. But at the same time, they showed their true colors. Yeah, I don't like it. That was embarrassing because I, I invited the person along. Yeah. Well, that's huge fail by you. Well, how did I know they were going that way? Nah, know the audience. Know, know the room. God damn it. <laughs> that's me sitting in the table. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> that guy's just over there going full on dice clay. Everybody's having a good lunch, but you're just the one who's like, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to get edgy and invite this person in." Yeah, I, I didn't see. I didn't know. I didn't see it coming. What do you do when they tell the joke? I look over at my friend and see if they're upset, and then realize, you know, hey, guess what? They weren't laughing down there, you know. And then you're just like, "Shit, 
You want you want a minute to apologize here? <laughs> Do I want to apologize? No, I'm not saying shit. You know what? You're like Sam Bass. Yeah. And I said to Sam all the time, God rest his soul. He popped up on my Facebook memories the other day. Love Sam. But I said to Sam, you're standing right there when Roseanne's doing everything. That's I go, true. did you ever see the clip of Rick Monday? God damn, if you're playing center field for the Dodgers, Sammy, that fucking flag just burns <laughs> while you're sitting there. Watch it. He goes, fuck, I know. I locked up. If he would have taken the mic and ripped it out of her hand. He could have just chop blocked her. He would have been a hero. Would have been a hero in this town. Yeah. People would have been calling nonstop to his show. Right. Would have been Sam Bass Day. That's and they would have just showed that clip forever. Sam, I'll never forget that day at Jack Murphy Stadium and he ripped that mic at Roseanne's hand. Now, can you, I get a little bit of a uh, little Matthew Wilder? Ain't yeah. nothing going to break my stride. Thank you. Yeah. You look like Jack Tatum just laying out. Any member of the Chargers offensive line, just laying him out. Look like Jack Tatum laying out that little twerp Hank Bauer. <laughs> little twerp. <laughs> Hank right now is like, what the fuck did you just say? Um, I was trying to think, like, what wide receivers are on that team? John Jefferson? That's it. Oh, my God. Yeah, you look like Jack Tatum laying out number 83 in those Speedo goggles. Get down. <laughs> All right. down, but Sam didn't do anything instead. So. Of course not. Last question. What's okay. the one thing about social media you would change? Um, I think this one's easy. I'll go first. Go ahead. An edit button on Twitter. Yeah. What a pain in the ass. Right. Why not? Yeah. You can edit on Instagram and Facebook. Why can't you edit on Twitter? Why not uh, change the algorithms too? Like Please. I feel like I just keep seeing. Um, I don't know what happened on Twitter, but I have one guy. Dave, I think you know him, and he seems to like a lot of big-ass models. <laughs> Dude, it's my favorite thing now, about social media. Now, you always see that one guy that likes it or writes a comment. You keep doing your thing. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Wish I was there. Wish I was there is a great one. Yeah, they've liked 17,000 people have liked it, but I'll be just scrolling through, like looking for a Padres score. Here's this chick with just this massive rack. Like, what the fuck is that? Blank, blank liked it and commented. I'm like, God damn, do I have to stop following this perv? No. It's the best when you screenshot it and send it to our I group. send it to everybody. I just send it to every time. I screenshot it and send it to Mike, to Steven, to Dave. I don't even comment. I just send you guys. And it's always like, Man, fantastic. <laughs> oh, I wish I was there right now. That's my favorite. I wish uh, I was there. And this person, uh, absolutely loved by me and Palais and by Costa. I don't know if Steve ever crossed paths I with I don't him. know, but he's uh, but people in San Diego. No, we can't say his name because he's a San Diego radio guy. Yeah, they'd be fast friends. Yes. But I'm just like, what the fuck? Uh, here's the one thing, <laughs> too. Here's the other thing I would change. I would... I would put those videos of like the lady that got uh, dropped today, the one that Costa sent us, yeah. right? Where she started starting trouble in the fast food place. Yeah. Listen, I, I never, I don't, I don't like seeing women get hit. I don't like it at all. No. But she shoved that guy. Yeah. And I don't know what you do. Thankfully, I don't find myself in situations where I feel the need to shove or get shoved by a woman. 
but you feel like there were probably people that were looking at that going, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe you brought that upon yourself. But I will say the video that I have enjoyed watching a lot is the Sons and Four guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, Devin Booker reached out tonight and said, I need this guy's contact information. Really? That's cool. And all these people are like, oh, you're going to promote violence? That's really great. The goddamn guy's down two steps and two guys yeah. come over the top, advantage those two guys. Yeah. Sons and Four grabs Clay Thompson looking guy and just peppers him while talking trash yeah. to the other guy. He broke the guy's nose and is just holding him up. And then yells Sons and Four. Yeah. <laughs> They're running out of their blood everywhere. And the guy, the guy looked like Clay Thompson, keeps the jersey up because he knows. Oh boy, I I but he's holding him and the dude, the Nuggets fan isn't doing it. He's he's so emasculated, yeah. he's not even doing anything to get away. He's just sitting there. Thank you, sir. May I have another in a second. But I'm gonna tell your punk friend, shut your mouth. Here's the one you've been waiting on. Bang! There goes my nose. Sorry. Not really. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Sure. Bang! And you're just like, God dang. Good stuff. Right? It was good. So Devin Booker, and they got them one and four. They did. He beats the shit out of two guys when he's at a clear disadvantage, but he fucking called the series. Yeah. The Nuggets have the MVP. Sons and four. I think that was after game one or two when he yelled Sons and four. (laughs) Shit. Talk about TCB, kid. That guy. I, I think that guy... I think that guy should just lead my Twitter feed every day. Dude. And Jimmy Bentoncourt hitting a home run at Wiffle Ball yeah, was pretty fun. That too. was cool. That was cool. Damn. All right. All right. So uh, look, that was a long show. That was a long show for sure. But our thanks to Josh Lewin. Uh OKTogether.com is the website. Our thanks to him. Dave will uh keep a little tighter show on Wednesday. All right, good deal. We'll see you on Wednesday, everybody.
been making the USA That guy with the attitude, he better go away Five-cent video game, put a smile on my face Last stop sign was paralyzed, but I ran it anyway Soundproof fence and a handyman cussing on TV What Californian cuts their own Christmas tree Boy, you better watch out for that sneaky backscreen door I laughed so hard, I hardly live 